Welcome to Paychecks Thrive, a business podcast where you'll hear timely insights to help you navigate marketplace dynamics and propel your business forward. Here's your host, Gene Marks. Hey, everybody, it's Gene Marks, and welcome back to another episode of the Paychecks Thrive podcast. Thank you so much for listening or watching us, and we're excited to have uh, Saeed Srinivasan. Saeed, uh, thank you so much for joining us on this uh, on this episode. Uh, we will have the um, um, the ability to uh, talk for about 20 minutes or so just about what's going on in the banking industry because, Saeed, you're the chief economist and head of research um, at the American Bankers Association. That is correct. So, Let's first of all talk a little bit about the American Bankers Association. Tell us a little bit about the association um, and how long you've been there. Yeah, uh, thanks, Gene. Thanks for having me in the show. And uh, you couldn't have picked a better time to do it, right? Yeah. Uh, so there's never a good time. Uh, so happy to be here. So the, uh, uh, the, the ABA, the American Bankers Association, is um, it's a trade association, but uh, it's, it's it's a trade association for all the banks in the United States. Uh, we've been around for over 100 years. Uh, it's one of the oldest trade associations, um, and we have uh, you know over 3,000 plus members. So there are about 4,700 banks in the United States. Uh, I could sort of go beyond that, but you know, just round it off at 4,700. Most people think of you know four or five of the largest banks if you're living in the big metro areas, but uh, you know there are lots and lots of banks. Banks of all sizes, from the largest sort of GSIPs, global systemically important banks, to regional mid-sized banks, to a long number of what I call smaller banks, community banks. Um, working with branches all around the country, every uh, nook and cranny of the country. So we're a trade association. We work closely with the banks on sort of policy issues, data analysis, advocacy, uh, training and education. So you might, uh, you know, when so we had some interesting incidents in the market uh, earlier in March, uh, <laughs> we were you know, to, you know, all working through the day, through the night, helping our members uh, and uh, Folks in in, in DC in, uh, from a regulatory side, from the Hill side, educating right. them about what's happening and stuff like that. Go ahead, uh, all right, we're going to get to that. We're, we're going to get to that for sure because I know that's what our, our listeners of yours are interested in. But just so you are your head, your chief economist yep. and head of research. So, what role do you play there with the ABA? What is what What do you do? Good question. So, I'm uh, in terms of background. You asked me. I've been with the ABA for just under two years. Before I came here, I was working for the federal government at the Commodity Futures Trading Commission, working on mm -hmm. you know, big bank issues, also ag market issues. If you ask me about live cattle and corn futures and pork bellies, I could have given you uh, long <laughs> lectures on those markets. They're really meaningful ones, right? Um, so I was chief economist there, did a lot of you know, policy work, uh, regulatory rulemaking. Uh, but I always had this eye on the world of banking for a simple reason. So growing up, my dad, I grew up in Mumbai, it used to be called Bombay then. My dad had his own factory, a small workshop with a couple of employees. Um, and I don't know if you know things like, you know, uh, milling machines and lathes and machine tools type stuff. And he used to run it for like 20 plus years. And I used to do group. I don't know why, like from high school onwards through college, I did all the banking for him. So I don't think my dad ever stepped into any of the banks unless to sign any paperwork. But 
yours truly was the one who handled all of it. So I had this good appreciation for banking and I said, I really want to get back to the world of banking and this opportunity owned up. So as chief economist, I, I wear sort of multiple hats. One is, uh, you know, being a resource to our bankers and our members, especially the smaller banks who can't afford to have their own chief economist, keep a track on what's happening in the economy, you know, uh, explain what's happening in terms of what the Fed is doing, GDP, unemployment, soft landing, hard landing, and all that stuff. Right. Uh, and then the second part of it is uh, everything to do with the wonderful world of banking uh, in terms of you know, getting good handle on data. Uh, there's a lot of data that's available and it really matters. I always ask people, I want to know what's in the numerator, what's in the denominator. If you can't explain why those two should be going together, uh, you know, so that sort of stuff. And then third part is just, you know, in terms of uh, helping inform uh, folks, the membership and others about uh, rules, regulations uh, on a whole slew of issues. Uh, in some sense, banking is over, like, you know, hundreds, hundreds of years old, but yeah. If you're here today, you have the sense of, you know, we're in the startup type industry. A lot of fundamental new questions are being raised. It's an awesome time to be here. You know, it's funny that you say that. I, um, you know, I, I do a lot of writing and speaking on on the topic of the economy, uh, Sahih. And, and, you know, there's so many metrics that are out there that, you know, economists try to use to gauge whether or not, like you said, are we going to recession? Is it a soft landing? Is it a hard landing? Is it, you know, you know will we be growing? Will we won't? And I've always leaned on organizations um, that provide actual data for Mac. Like, for example, like if I'm looking for, uh, you know, what's going on in, in the world of unemployment and labor, um, I, I know Paychex, this is a Paychex podcast, but they, they put out data every month that's based on their, you know, their customers, their employees, and, you know, what, you know, how salary ranges are going, what compensation is going, like that's actual data. And you mentioned about like the importance of banking and and how I I rely really heavily on the banking. Like you, we're recording this right now, it's like the, you know near the end of April. I, I I looked very very hard every quarter at the banking industry's release date. Don't you agree? Like with, with the the banking industry, particularly the big banks, because they're the big public ones that share their data. You know, if if they're I listen to them closely because to me they they are the core of what's going on in the economy. And if I start hearing delinquencies are going up or there's more loan reserves or our profits are going to, or they're, or they're seeing more concern and they're small business, you know, customers or their overall business customers that, that, that perks my ear up more so than any government issued data. So I don't know if you feel, do you feel the same way? So it's, you know, put your nail on a very interesting uh, issue, which is the big banks, right? And we yeah. have this challenge. If you look at the United States, it's a large country with a, what we economists call a very deep and diverse hinterland, right? Well, so the, the big banks, and this goes to even sort of a lot of the macroeconomic data, uh, they are national averages, okay? Uh, they yep. represent broad trends. And it's true, right? If uh, unemployment is uh, jumping up, you know, on average, wherever you are, you're also going to see unemployment go up. But it also hides a lot of in, uh, what you call interesting micro trends that are happening, especially, we, you know, we're talking about small businesses, right? For small businesses, I don't care if I'm located in, uh, in Wichita, Kansas, okay, in a particular, uh, in a zip code, all they care about is the foot traffic that's happening around my store, 
right? Who cares what's happening? I do care, but you know, what's happening at a national level and among money center banks, it's instructive. But I could, for various reasons, I, I might still be in a boom town, but I'm getting a lot of activity. So um, I speak to bankers all the time, right? So we have bankers from around the country who we interact with. And the one thing which uh, amazes me is uh, how their stories and what they are seeing could be slightly at variance from what the, the macro numbers you see, the headline numbers. And if you talk to policymakers and interact with them, they see them struggling with it because they see these macro trends, the headlines, and the question, they have two questions, if I may. One is, what's the story driving those numbers? Yeah. Okay. And then, um, you know, looking forward, the data is typically backward looking. Yeah. They all want to know what's going to be happening in the next few months. And for that, you need to go and speak to the bankers again, the credit officers and so on and so forth. People can give you a more holistic thing. So it's, that's, you know, that's a challenge we're facing even today in terms of, yep, those things matter at the same time. I need to worry about what's happening at a local level because there is most of the jobs are created at those levels. Great answer. Um, so, okay, so you had said earlier there, there's 4,700 banks in this country. So, you know, just last month, you know, Silicon Valley Bank, you know, collapsed. Uh, you know, other banks have shown some weaknesses as well. Signature Financial, Republic, there's been, you know, all that. So I have like lots of business owners saying, oh, my God, should we be worried about our bank? And, you know, should we be migrating to a larger bank? So, um, so. I'm going to ask you those questions. You know, should we be worried about our banks? That's one. And should I be migrating my money to a larger bank if I'm banking at a smaller or a community bank? I think I know what your answers are going to be, but let's um, <laughs> let's start with the first one. Should no, I be worried? The, 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 the right questions to ask, right? So <laughs> uh, on the safety of a banking system, and it's not because, you know, I'm working for the ABA and this is what I'm paying sure. That's not the case, right? You listen to others who have better access to data. So you named a few banks, and I think it's you know it's broadly accepted. I think everybody gets it that they are idiosyncratic cases, right? Uh, in, in any industry, when you know there's a shock that happens, there are some who survive and do well, and the weak ones get cleaned up, right? And there were very there were idiosyncratic issues with those banks and the way they were managed and so on and so forth. Every different. Mm-hmm. So once you take them out of the picture or even with the with them in the picture, it's very clear and you see that in the data and the sort of the quarterly results that have been coming out by banks of all sizes, right? This banking the banking system is in good shape. Individual banks are in good shape. So the banking system is really strong. Right. So and then to that, you have your follow up question as to, um, you know, should if I have a bank account with a smaller bank, should I be moving it to a larger bank? So I shouldn't be in the business of telling people what they should be doing. But I like to think in terms of what are the questions, what are the considerations? Right. And in no particular order, it's like um, if you think about it, uh, smaller banks or many of them are also small businesses. There is a very good banker friend of mine. Uh, they're all my friends, but this one is particularly a very uh, instructor. Uh, last summer, the bank is about 90 years old, and last summer, they opened the second branch. 
after 90 years. So you can think okay. about it. If you're banking with a, that banker, the person really understands what a small business needs, right? So um, banking, and it's not just about where you keep your money, where you're getting your credit also. You need all sorts of services, and you need to look at it holistically. So you might say, okay, I'm going to move my money from the smaller bank to this large big box bank, which might have a branch in where I am or not. But then you should be thinking about what are the other services I, I need and who's yeah. going to be around to service it, right? So that's one thing. So banking is all about relationships. The other question which somebody else told me was, uh, how well do I know my bank, right? It's a relationship thing. I need to know those uh, my banker really well. It's all about asymmetric information and who can solve the problem better. So you need to be talking to your member. If you have concerns before you do anything, visit your banker, call him or her and talk to them and figure out what's happening because people are changing the way they're doing things. And it's, it's all about risk management. You're trying to manage your risk at the same time the bank is looking at it and the bankers are also proactively reaching to customers. If they haven't reached out to you, reach out to them and have a conversation with them. And the third thing, and I'll stop with this, is there's a reason why you opened an account with the bank and started putting your money, started a relationship in there, right? So has anything changed? You know, the incidents that you spoke about in the context of those two banks, what, did, what was it about those two banks has caused a change in your relationship with the bank or the needs that you need? Do you have any new needs that this bank has not been able to meet? If that's the case, then you should have another conversation, right? So I think I, it's not. A, I think it's a good question to ask, and people should be visiting with the banks and talking to them, and also step back and think about it from a more holistic perspective as to uh, you know what are my other needs, and uh, it's not a question just of moving about money and. From a data perspective, we don't have it yet. It's it's all coming together. But as in my conversations with the bankers, uh, there is, once again, this is the thing when the headline number talks about, hey, people are moving to larger banks. If you go mm -hmm. at a micro level and speak to bankers, you're not seeing that. So you say, say you know, had mentioned before about, you know, about calling your banker and talking to them. And again, I have lots of clients that deal with, um, that, that, that bank with, I'm a CPA, by the way. So, you know, we, we advise a lot of clients and they bank with independent banks, community banks. They're very happy with them, but they, they you know, they, they got a little shook up when, you know, when they saw what was going on with Silicon Valley Bank. So let me, let me ask you to, to, you know, to go into their shoes. Say you're running a small business, just like your dad did. Um, you, you see what's going on with Silicon Valley. You said, you know, you should call your banker. What specific questions would you be asking your bank? What would you ask as an economist, you know, yep. and, and experience the banking industry that would make you walk away from a phone call saying like, okay, I, I feel more comfortable. Right. So one very safe piece of exercise you could do is um, there is, there are a lot of stories written about uh, the various, you know, financial ratios of Silicon Valley bank and signature bank, right? right. The loan to deposit ratio and insured, uninsured deposits and stuff like that. So, and if you have a, you know, a friendly CPA, loop that CPA in and say, okay, this is what I have in terms of these two banks. And you can get the financials of your bank and you can just put them side by side and say, are we talking, are these banks in the same business? 
right? If you just put them side by side, you'll realize that the, you're talking about, it's not an apples to apples comparison at all at that point. You're comparing two banks, but the financial profiles are very different. And then your question is, okay, as I said earlier, yes, I'm concerned my awareness of risk is higher that any bank could potentially have a run, but then you should step back and say, okay, what is the likelihood? This bank is in a very different business. Its financials are very different. And then go and have a conversation with the bank. Right. Um, the larger banks that are publicly held are required to disclose financial information. Um, are, are smaller banks also required? I don't know the answer. I mean, like, do, do they... Are they under regulatory uh, requirements to also disclose that similar information? And so, if we were to ask, if I was to ask my banker, what is your, you know, loans to, you know, or default ratio, or, uh, you know, would they be able, you know, I, should they be able to answer that question for me? And would they be able to, you know, show me that information? So um, we have a tailored regulatory system in the country. So the bigger the bank you are, you're subject to more rules and regulations and so on and so forth. That goes without mm -hmm. saying. But across the board, all banks do regulatory reporting. I think if you go beyond, I think, a billion dollars or something, the number of data items, the line items you report is going to fall. But sort of the vital statistics that you're talking about, it's all available in the public domain. And if you don't have it, your friendly banker is going to be able to provide it for you. If Got the it. banker says, I don't want to give it to you, then you should have an interesting conversation. But we see all the data, we slice and dice all the data that's available and all the vital statistics that you're talking about without having to hire a very expensive CPA, uh, you <laughs> should be able to sort of do that analysis. Fair enough. Um, you had mentioned before, I mean, you guys do see the data and, and you had mentioned earlier in this conversation, like you've been, you've been running around a lot, you know, given, you know, what's happened in the industry, you know, to respond. Um, does the AB, and again, if, I'm not sure how much of this you can answer or not, but hopefully you can, like, will, does the ABA provide data for the public so that they can, you know, as a trade organization for the industry so that business owners can, can look at, the ABA's data as to the state, you know, retail associations do this, manufacturer associations do this. Do you also make public data available that, that I could look at to see the, the overall state of the industry? Right. So um, unfortunately or fortunately, we don't. And, uh, you know, that's something which uh, after I join, I'm looking to change it. But the interesting thing is uh, the data is available from the regulatory agencies. So yeah. you go to the FDIC uh, or the Fed, you have the FFIEC, uh, .gov website where you can pull up the name uh, of your bank's details. It's all available in the public domain. And if you've seen one bank's balance sheet, the other bank's balance sheet is structured the same, PNL is structured the same. Uh, a lot of it is available in the public domain. Great. All right. No, that's super helpful. Um, more questions for you. Uh, you uh, Treasury Secretary Yellen has been has been going back and forth and creating a little bit of confusion, at least among my clients, as to what actually is covered and what is not. You know, we've since the beginning of time, we're all used to the FDIC. They cover $250,000 of deposits at an institution. And then she publicly said, like, you know, no, you know, the government will cover it all. And then people were like, what does that mean? And how can you do that? What, you know, 
what should I be advising my clients or what should a business owner be thinking? You know, or should they be sticking to that $250,000 FDIC coverage number or could they, do they now feel safer letting their deposits go beyond that because the government's just going to step in and cover it if God forbid there was a default? So uh, good question and the huge amount of debate that's happening. There are all sorts of you know, differences of view and opinion uh, that's happening. Fortunately for us, uh, the regulatory agencies have made some pretty strong commitments to look at all of this stuff, right? So there's going to be at least three different reports that will be due early May. One from the Fed looking at the regulatory approach to, um, that it, it took to Silicon Valley Bank. Right? You need to do a root cause analysis as to what happened and stuff like that. Because you know, if, without the diagnosis, uh, you know, if I go and change just the deposit insurance fund uh, calculations, when you know, it's not going to be helping stop the next Silicon Valley Bank. Right? You need to do the root cause analysis. Um, in the, uh, FDIC has got uh, you know one of the reports that will come out where they have to make a special assessment in terms of how much they need to cover, uh, collect additional from the banks to uh, you know cover the expected losses from two of those banks, uh, and then uh, they are also going to be looking at uh, modernizing uh, the deposit insurance fund. There's some interesting ideas in there, uh, but you need to sort of weigh the costs and benefits. So from, an, from my perspective as an economist, I will wait to see the analysis being done. Uh, and then, you know, a few things in my mind, right? There's no free lunch. Somebody is going to be paying for it. And if your banker is paying for it, the cost you know, in some shape or form will sort of uh, come to me. Um, there are complex issues. There are trade-offs that need to happen. And the last time we really had a discussion on trade-offs in the context of deposit insurance was, you know, 15 years ago. Uh, and you know, now it's time to have that conversation. And then uh, there's a third variable in terms of technology and the speed of movement and so on and so forth. But if you sort of, so this is what other, you know, uh, that's happening in terms of policy, but the behavior is already changing, right? Clients have been, you know, more for asking the sort of questions that you have been asking. Uh, and the industry also is, you know, looking at, is aware of the risks, the banks, the banking system, uh, and they are changing the policies and procedures in terms of, uh, you know, how do they manage these types of shocks? So um, I think the overall system is getting smarter about it. That's the only way to do with the risk. You learn from your experiences and you keep getting smarter. Uh, so I don't know where we will land in terms of, you know, deposit insurance, modernization, uh, but we are very clear that, I'm very clear that, you know, no knee-jerk reactions in the heat of the moment because you will, you're going to regret that because the issues are complex, the trade-offs are complex. It's a great answer. We, uh, I mean, it's, it dovetails into what we tell our clients, which is basically, you know, stick with what you've been doing. There's obviously a lot of w- yep. talking and work that's been going on right now and, until something concrete changes in the way the government is going to be handling um, those excess deposits, you know, uh, you know, we should be sticking with the two hundred fifty thousand dollar, you know, insurance rule for the time being. So that 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 really helps a lot. A couple more questions, and I'll let you go. You've been great. This is fascinating information. Um, the banking industry does get uh, competition now, a growing competition from non banks. You know, I, I mean, I see. Uh, you know, Apple just started offering, you know, interest bearing savings accounts to consumers and Walmart is going into digital banking. 
um, as well. And some other, you know, companies are, are doing the same merchant banking advances from PayPal and QuickBooks and uh, you know, Square. How, do, how does that impact the banking, banking industry? Um, to be like, is, is this a threat to you guys? Do you think, do you, do you welcome it? Because it's there in some ways, these companies are kind of taking on the burden maybe of smaller businesses that might not necessarily really, you know, get the best relationship from, from a bank. And I'm just curious as to your thoughts about these non-bank, awesome. you know, entities. Awesome, awesome question, right? So um, the pet peeve that every banker will have is uh, about whether these non-bank entities uh, are they subject to the sort of same regulatory structure requirement as banks, right? So that's always a big issue. If you're offering uh, same service, you should be subject to the same regulations. So that's there. I'll sort of put that aside for a while because that's a longer conversation. Uh, but to your your other your sort of your broader question, uh, it's uh, banks uh, have been competing with non-banks for 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 the longest time. Uh, they partner with these uh, new entrants, right? Because anytime you offer these services, even Apple has got a partnership with Goldman Sachs, right? So. The money needs to, so there are they, they partner with them on certain issues. They uh, looked at them for the technology and the design that they do. And if I'm a smaller bank, partnering with uh, you know a fintech type entity will give me sort of the reach and scale, which on me on my own will never be able to do it. So um, so there is like a if you say 4,700 banks, there are like 10,000 different views on it and how they're actually using it. And you know, ABA has conferences every year, uh, and you know, there will be these trade shows, and lots of fintechs are in there, and you see bankers talking to them. Uh, and not every uh, you know fintech or non-bank out there is actually there are more providing services to banks than directly to the customers, because many of these guys don't want to be in the business of directly facing the banks, the, the customers. They prefer to go to the banks because the banks understand. So it's uh, it's it's competition, it's collaboration, it's cooperation, and uh, you can sort of add a few more C's out there, I guess. It makes Great. our life really interesting, but just to come back to my, my, my first point, I think what everybody agrees on is uh, the importance of having strong regulations, and the same service, same regulation. Final question. So we're obviously in a much higher interest rate environment this year. Uh, the Fed funds rate, which is the rate, you know, the Fed charges banks to borrow money from it. So it was like a 0.25% a year ago, and now it's like 5%, so like an enormous jump. Uh, so three-part question to interest rates. You know, how do you see this higher interest rate environment affecting existing businesses, startup businesses? And the banking industry, you know, as a whole throughout 2023, I'm curious as to your thoughts. Sure. So, um, great questions, right? So, um, as you um, as you pointed out right at the beginning of the question, uh, you know, for the past 12 months, uh, the Fed raised policy rates by 475 points, right? Close yeah. to 500 points. Yeah, so like 20 times. Unprecedented, right? Going, you know, FOMC meeting after successive FOMC meetings where roads are going up by 75 basis point every time. Uh, unprecedented. But what that means is it's not just the level, but the speed at which 
you, you take any bank or any businessman, what they will like is sort of certainty. If rates are going to be within a range, they can deal with it. Whether it's 20%, I'm just making up a number, whether it's 3%, 6%, whatever. The problem comes when it starts from somewhere close to zero and gets ratcheted up to like, you know, five or six percent over yeah. a very short interval time. That the playbook is off and, you know, you sort of need to deal with it. Um, but if you think about where we are today and the noises, if you look at what the market is expecting in terms of the next FOMC meeting, it's betting there'll be another 25 basis point hike, and after that, there'll be a pause. What that means is all these sort of rate changes that we were expecting from a policy perspective is behind us already. So now it's a question of adjusting. But still, what it means from a, from a small business perspective Depending on what sort of loan products, what sort of credit arrangements you might have had, if you were, you know, a fixed rate, which was, you know, a three-year fixed rate or four-year fixed rate loan, that's going to get repriced sometime soon, and you're going to see that price show. What that means is, and the bankers are already doing, and you should be doing the same, which is talk to your banker and start having this conversation. I'm going to have, uh, you know, a, a reset that's going to happen, a repricing on my line. In six months or a year, what's going to happen? So if you proactively manage and have those conversations, you're in a good place. So from your in the perspective of existing customers, you know, banks are competing. Uh, you know, the strong competition among the banks. They know customers have choices. Uh, so do you have. In terms of smaller business and uh, sort of new businesses, that's the other question you had. It's a good question because... Um, I, and this is when I go back to my uh, uh, business strategy professor from way back when in my business school, who uh, used to tell me, tell us, uh, in great markets, overall markets, you'll see businesses failing, and in really shitty markets, you'll see people doing really well, right? <laughs> Similarly, when things are going bad, if you have like you know you, you have the funding available, the system is still got a lot of liquidity. Okay, there's still like, you know, you see a lot of money being raised and so on and so forth. The system, uh, the US economy is still doing well. Uh, we work with sort of the large bank chief economists and this thing called the Economic Advisory Committee and they, every six months they put forecasts. Nobody is talking about uh, a recession. If you ask them, when will we see a recession in the US? Nobody's betting that there'll be a recession in 2023. They're all talking about if our land handing, hard landing work to offer, it's going to be yeah. sometime in the future, meaning there is still a lot of vitality in this country. There are sort of strong growth trends. And given that the rates are already reached where they are and so on and so forth, if you think you're going to be making decent margins, then it might not, you know, go ahead and do it. So you're in the business of taking risk, calculated risk, uh, but like this is at a macro level, right? There are still sort of, you know, um, the GDP will be growing depending on where you are in the country, there are strong sort of demographic trends that are happening, that there might be opportunities. So it all depends on where you're situated, you know, your, your, your personal situation in terms of funding and business model and so on and so forth. Uh, I appreciate you uh, spending the time with us and your insights are really, really valuable. It is going to be a very interesting year for the banking industry. And uh, you certainly uh, do not have to worry about job security in 2023 because you're going to be very much needed. So thanks for your time. And I appreciate it very much. Happy anytime. Happy to be here and chat with you. Do you have a topic or a guest that you would like to hear on Thrive? Please let us know. 
visit payx.me forward slash thrive topics and send us your ideas or matters of interest. Also, if your business is looking to simplify your HR, payroll, benefits, or insurance services, see how Paychex can help. Visit the resource hub at paychex.com forward slash works. That's W-O-R-X. Paychex can help manage those complexities while you focus on all the ways you want your business to thrive. I'm your host, Gene Marks, and thanks for joining us. Till next time, take care. This podcast is property of Paychex Incorporated 2023. All rights reserved.